0: Welcome to TRC Talks, a podcast by The Reynolds Company, an authorized Rockwell distributor. This show features conversations with the automation specialists from The Reynolds Company, explaining and exploring the evolving landscape of products, services, and solutions for industrial controls and automation.
1: Welcome back to the TRC Talks podcast from The Reynolds Company. An authorized Rockwell Automation Distributor. I am Blaine Welk, your host for this episode. Today, our previous panelists, Joe Belaski, Mike Masterson, and Brandon Singh, return to the podcast as we present part seven in our industrial networking series a discussion on converged plant wide Ethernet or CPWE. In our six previous episodes, we have covered the various layers and elements of an industrial ethernet network. And today, we'll look at how all those elements come together in the form of the CPWE. Be sure to check the show notes for any useful links about the topics we will discuss in this episode. Now, let's welcome Brandon, Joe, and Mike back to the podcast. So today we welcome back our previous contributors, Mike Masterson, Joe Bolaski and Brandon Singh, guys, welcome back.
2: Glad to be you back. Thank you for having me.
1: Glad to be here. And over the last 6 episodes, we've we've really built up from the plant floor, right? I know Mike, you kicked us off with the physical media on the plant floor and then we've kind of worked our way up and and Joe and Brandon, you were contributors to our, you know, industrial switches and topologies and all the way up to the DMZ or the IDMZ in our previous episode. Every step of the way we've been kind of building the cpwe layer by layer step by step from the plant floor up and we thought today we should just talk about the cpwe and kind of what it is and and why it's important for ot people to understand what the cpwe is so let's just kind of start there as a, a bit of a round table discussion is the cpwe the converge point-wide ethernet is a design guide published by Cisco and Rockwell. It's about 560-something pages. Why is that document useful? Why should we um, use that document in our efforts to design a converged point-wide Ethernet?
0: Well, it goes about a design philosophy where everything's been tested out to it. So it gives us a good building block, a good template to start with how we should approach uh, um, the network when we want to lay it out and design it. So that's the most important part. It gives us really a design instead of just hooking up RJ45s willy-nilly, trying to, to make a network work, it gives us a true tested design philosophy to secure our networks our designer networks around.
1: That's a good point because I think back in the early days of, of Ethernet networking, when Ethernet kind of started to make its way on the plant floor, I guess maybe late 90s, early 2000s, it was kind of willy-nilly, right? Just... It was kind of just plug things together and, you know, it wasn't really Cross your
0: fingers and hope they work. And people who'd found when they would daisy chain their unmanaged switches together and connect them all together. And as soon as they found out that the broadcast storm would kill everything. There's been a lot of trial and error as we've learned. And we have learned a lot since we've
3: gone along. Uh, Initially, there was also a limited amount of information being passed across the networks and they weren't all connected together. So data flows were a little bit easier to predict. Traffic types were easier to understand and and, and, and know what's going on and try to shape where now there's so much going on. And with the converged plant-wide network, you've got pretty much everything on the network, a whole bunch of different types of communication at the same time and managing that and dealing with uptime. And one of the the biggest parts about the CPWE is looking at things from an industrial uptime perspective versus looking at it from, you know, maybe a security first or playing with the different priorities of what's being broadcast across the network.
2: I would say as the IT person of the group, I wasn't around when all of this first started. So when the design guide was implemented. So for me, walking onto a plant floor and hearing, hey, Cisco and Rockwell have this wonderful design guide. And my mind, I'm thinking, from the background I have, it's perfect. Everybody should be on the same page. Everybody understands what's going on. And then you find out, nope, all it is is, as Mike was saying, random things, daisy chained together, Home to run, just get it up and running and make sure it works. But it's a good reference point to go back to when someone says, hey, I'm having some issues. You can go back to it and say, hey, this is why you're having issues, and then it to them. And if they really want to get really extremely technical about it, you can point to the specific page in the book and say, here you go.
1: Okay, so you had mentioned that this is a kind of an alliance or a collaboration between Cisco and Rockwell Automation. That's pretty significant, right? I think it's one of the first times maybe Cisco has kind of worked out, you know, worked with an OT or an industrial automation type provider.
2: It's the first time I was aware of it ever happening. And I mean, they've been doing it for over a decade now. So bringing somebody who has tons of knowledge and expertise and networking in general, and then somebody who has tons of experience and market share on automation and, you know, manufacturing to bring them together to actually make something that offensively works. As they, you know, say it's going to work and effectively and efficiently. Yeah, kind of a
1: combination of the best known in the in the industry. So, what are some of the key tenets of the CPWE that's important for for our OT guys to to know
2: about? Key tenets. One of the big ones is understanding the, the Cisco Rockwell combination, as well as, in my opinion, the biggest and most important thing is you know the topic that Mike took care of the first topic we discussed, which was the media. And, my, and that's just my personal opinion. That may not be one of the tenets that you know Cisco and Rockwell point to. But in my opinion, it's the biggest tenant. because if you don't have proper media in place as your backbone, then everything else that you build upon from that point is going to be doomed to fail. And it's your one option that you invest money in. It's usually going to be the least expensive option you invest money in, but it's something you're expected to last the longest because you don't want to go through and re-cable and re- re-run cable points and permanent links everywhere in your plant because then you'd have to shut everything down and pull them back out
0: and and also potentially it's the hardest to troubleshoot we have all sorts of network devices that can tell us how where a packet is but even though we have network scanners finding where you have cross pairs or uh, maybe too tight of a bend radius that is a tough thing to to find out where the issue is so yeah i would concur that Making sure the physical media is correctly installed and is the right media for the application is very important.
1: So I know we've broken down the, the Purdue model in some previous episodes. There's a lot of reference in the CPWE to cell area and zone. And I was just kind of curious how how that relates to the Purdue model and perhaps how that cell area zone relates to maybe some real world plant floor type applications.
3: That's a good place to start really i mean the cell area zone is a great thing to look at when you're trying to architect a system and really when you think about it from a plant floor perspective most plant floors are broken down into different regions a pieces of equipment that work together an individual machine and then some equipment that works together and then then creates a line and then those lines Work together to create some other thing. And it is kind of compartmentalized in a similar setup with the cell area zone. It kind of gives us an architecture on where we want to put our focus as we scale up the network traffic and connect everything together.
0: It also gives us, helps us lead us in the direction on, on how we're going to subnet the network once we have that part figured out. So it, it's all, all this stuff is interrelated.
2: Absolutely. Because you may have two, three, four lines in your cell area zone, those lines may all be identical piece for piece, but you need multiple lines to run efficiently and for production purposes. So understanding your cell area zone and your subnets to, you know, mitigate any issues because those lines are set up identical helps in that case.
3: It also helps you architect different networks. It kind of gives you a, a demarcation point to break apart your different network
2: architectures
3: and uh, to use some of your different equipment. So you may have a lot of existing equipment, existing network switches, hardware, media in a particular cell, which may be perfectly adequate for what you're trying to do. But for the area, you may need to do something different. Or for a zone, you may need to, to look at a different piece of equipment or a different architecture for the network for, what, for whatever your design is. And it's a really easy way to kind of break apart your network architecture and look at your individual topologies and and the way you're going to do that in different groups.
1: I think that kind of goes back to what Mike was saying earlier about the willy-nilly, you know, kind of the early days of Ethernet because... In the early days of Ethernet, it was probably just the cell, right? We just kind of had like one machine and a, a simple switch and a PLC and an operator interface, perhaps. But then over time, we started to say, well, let's make that machine talk to the machine next to it and to the machine next to that, right? So then that's where that, you know, as you were mentioning, you know, broadcast storms and lots of the, the pain of learning the hard way, perhaps that, you know, there was a smarter way to uh, to kind of bring all this network together. Or organize it.
3: In the good old days, you used to uh, everything was just the cell. You would start with a cell that had stuff and you'd connect it to another machine, but it would basically still stay in the cell. It, you just had one very large cell. You didn't typically break it apart into an area and it'd have different cells talking to each other. You basically just had a giant flat network with everything being one cell instead of having areas and zones.
0: And by flat, I mean, that was, those were all coaxial based networks. So yes, we were running one, one basically bus with taps off of it. That was our ethernet network back then.
1: So one of the major pieces of the CPWE is the, is characterized results or tested um, and validated architectures. So let's talk about that a little bit. What, what does that actually mean? What actually happens or who does these validations of the
2: architectures? So the validation of the architectures is a combination between Rockwell and Cisco. So what they do is they basically put together, Mike was saying, when things are done willy nilly, Rockwell and Cisco essentially do that themselves, set things up in different facets and different combinations and test it to see if it would work. And will it stand up over the test of time, put it through its paces, You know, create errors, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that it's feasible, reliable, you know, and it's going to stand up to different production types and environments so that when they say this is tested and validated, this architecture will work. It's because they've taken the time to actually set up the different devices in this configuration and run it through its paces and stress it out and make sure it actually works because they understand that we can't just go connect things however we want to connect them, unsure if they're going to work. So they do it they do that themselves, connect it how we think somebody might actually try and connect this, let's test it and validate it, make sure it actually works, and then say, Yeah, you know, we tested this setup, it'll work, you can go ahead and do it.
3: And then publish those results. One of the biggest things about some of the testing and validation is when it comes time to have networks that are more loaded. Uh, you know, your network starts out and it's five percent utilized or something like that, and everything runs perfectly fine because there isn't much going through it. But when you get to the point you're running 40, 50, 70% utilization on a, on a different part of the network, you can start having some weird anomalies within your system because stuff is getting delayed. And that's one of the best things that they test for is what happens when you start loading the system. In the case of trying to be deterministic to an extent with some of our traffic, there's a lot of issues sometimes when you have a very loaded system because stuff is starting to get delayed and you have some interesting results. And sometimes packet losses or devices dropping out and issues like that.
1: Rockwell refers to the design implementation guide as a dig. We'll we'll use the term the CPWE dig. That's kind of the, I guess, the, the main one, right? I guess the guide, the 560 page one. But there's a bunch of other ones, right? I guess maybe some sub subtopics that kind of fit in the CPWE. They also have design implementation guides or digs published. What are some of those
0: well, we have them on um, resilient Ethernet protocols, wireless, NAT, Time Sync, PTP, cloud services. Basically, instead of making an all encompassing 1200 page manual that scares everybody, it's better to break down some of these individual components into smaller packages to like, make them a little bit less foreboding.
2: I agree with that. In college, that's how my textbooks were set up, though. They were 1,200, 1,500-page networking textbooks. But essentially, that's what Rockville and Cisco did, is they took the 500-page CPWE. This is your holistic overview of what it should look like, how it should be implemented, how it actually works. And then from there, they took sections of it and expanded upon it. So each level of the CPWE Has its own in depth, detailed design guide and implementation guide that goes a bit further and a bit more technical. I could read that 572 pages and not get, you know, bored out of my mind or want to bore my eyes out. It would be if someone just wanted a holistic overview, I would say pick that up and just read the 20 or 30 page overview, and then you'll understand what CPWE is and what they're trying to accomplish as a and a holistic overview of the 500 pages go more in depth. But then if there's a specific topic in there that you like, there's going to be a more than likely there's a separate design guide published somewhere about that particular topic.
3: Part of the reason that there's these different topics is sometimes the results of the testing and validation lead you in a different direction. So. That's one of the reasons for breaking them apart is so that you don't get mixed signals within one document. But at the same time, it allows you to pick which documents are pertinent to what you're trying to do. Uh, the, the most common one would be like parallel redundancy protocol and time synchronization, trying to correlate those two together and understand how they work and when to use one or when to use the other and what limitations there are. Or you know some of the other SIP security and time synchronization or you know, a lot of our customers especially down here, don't use time synchronization. So it's not a manual that they're going to typically spend a lot of time in.
2: And then another part of it is is implementing a CPWE architecture as a whole, you know, to have a, a true connected smart plant, for lack of a better term, is not something you can do overnight. It's generally done in phases, phase one, phase two, phase three. And within those phases, you can break it down. Okay. Well, part of phase one, I, I want to implement my, parallel redundancy protocols, and SIP security on cell area zones, in which case we can take a look at just those two design guides, and implement those into the plant, because that's the phase we're working on. We don't need to look at the entire CPWE as a whole and go over that whole overview. We only want to look at this specific phase that we're working on as we build on and progress forward.
1: Yeah, so where, wherever you are on your on your journey towards the full connected enterprise and uh converged plant-wide Ethernet, so that's that's a good good place to go as far as you know. What are some of the tools around you know helping us get there? So we got these design imp- implementation guides, which is an extensive library. But what else is there available to us? Maybe help us start to design a network or validate a network on our own as far as you know what we the pieces that we have on our plant floor.
2: One of them um, specifically, I think, is a pretty awesome tool, Integrated Architecture Builder, (IB), which is a free tool on Rockwell's site. You can go download. They've got YouTube videos out there on how to use it effectively. But that'll essentially go through and help you begin your journey on architecting something and putting something together.
0: It will definitely tell you if you make a mistake early in your design process, it'll tell you 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 made a mistake. So it's real helpful there. Sometimes it's not the most user-friendly, and there's different approaches to it. And I I know we're not going to go into detail on the best way to approach it, but sometimes when you have a, a large infrastructure you're trying to design to, I would say start with the networks, then add your hardware into the network after you've designed it. Sometimes that's a better approach then starting with the hardware, then going the other direction.
2: I'd agree with that. Uh, The
3: best tool I would have customers use would be, you know, listen to podcasts, watch uh, our tech talks, look at some of the different documentation that's out there.
0: Right. And there, there are other tools. I mean, we also have a tool that will count the number of connections based on the equipment on the network. Also really helpful. But I think starting with the IAB tool, laying that out, in there is is a great first approach, and I would suggest anybody who's never used the tool maybe reach out to your um, industrial specialist or your automation specialist at your distributor and have a sit down with them and have them show you how to use it.
1: Yeah, we've done that a lot. We have a lot of customers that really didn't even know IAB existed, and we kind of took you know a couple minutes to show them, and then they were off to the races. And um, the nice thing about IAB is once. Somebody were to create that network or that IAB file, they can send that to us to review as well. So we can take a look at it and it's just an easier way to share it than maybe napkin sketches and, uh, and just verbal th- discussions. It's always hard to kind of visualize networks in a verbal discussion at times.
0: I do love the napkin sketch, though. And I, I, I will say for the customers, this is uh, my personal opinion. I don't want a lot of detail in your network drawings when you send them to me. I don't need to break down the SFPs and the port counts. Just general architecture for the first go at it. Sometimes we get a little bit more detail and it makes the the drawings a little hard to interpret. So um, that's just a pet peeve I have. I I don't know about my other counterparts here, but I've received ultra detailed drawings before. And it just makes it harder to, to actually trace and figure out what's going on.
2: I agree with that 100%. The more detail you send me on a network drawing is the more nitpicky I'm going to become. Just because of my background in nature, like I'm a network engineer. So if you send me a diagram, the first thing I'm going to do is tear it apart on certain mistakes, which is not the goal. The goal is to help you achieve a proper functioning network. So the less detail is great. As Mike was saying, with IEB, if you put something together and it's wrong, it'll let you know. And it's, as Wayne said, it's very easy to share between. I have it on my laptop, so if you send it to me, I can open that file. But napkin drawings, I actually kind of like those too, as Mike said, because I can see where your mind was at as you're trying to sketch it out on a piece of paper versus you download IEB and you send it to me. I can work through that, but I can't truly see where you were hesitant on your drawing and where you were... Kind of questioning whether or not something should be there. Whereas on your pencil sketch, I'm going to see where you went back and forth on something and tried to change where a connection should be. Right.
1: The key is to at least reach out to us and let us help you because we, you know, we we may not be the. The most experts, right? But we we definitely have a lot of experience in designing these things, or seeing what our what our customers are doing.
0: Well, we'll just put it this way: we've seen a lot of bad network designs, <laughs> so so we know what doesn't work.
1: That's true. Yeah, we know more about what doesn't work than what
3: does work. That might be an absolutely true statement.
0: In my case, yes, that is true.
3: <laughs> yeah, the one thing I can I can definitely say from just that last statement about bad network designs is. You know, sometimes the topology or whatever implementation you're trying to to do don't force it uh, sometimes it isn't the right topology and that's one thing that we definitely can insist with but certain things that's part of the reason for the purdue model and the cell area zone and is compartmentalize make it into bite-sized chunks that you can make one part of your network right and know that it's going to work and then move on to the next one and move on to the next one and then bring those together And it makes it a lot easier to implement, makes it a lot easier to build in a tool like integrated architecture builder and makes it easier for us to
2: understand and coach. So please don't hesitate to call us and let us assist you.
0: Right. And, and you you know, one thing we've talked about the the network design, but, One thing that's part of the network design is deciding which protocols to use in which situations, whether it's parallel redundancy protocol, REP, whether we're doing dual channels to something. There's cases to be made for all those in certain situations, and and we can certainly help choose what should be used in a certain application.
1: So Brandon, Joe, Mike, I want to thank you guys um, not only for contributing to today's kind of roundtable discussion, but for contributing to the last six episodes in, in this whole series on industrial networking. And we have one topic left, at least one topic left that we we had laid out in our original schedule, and that'll be our episode next week, episode eight, which will kind of take what Mike was just talking about a minute ago with the resiliency protocols, and we'll discuss networking resiliency in a little more detail. We did discuss it back in the topology episode which which Joe contributed on and uh, we want to go a little more in depth on resiliency and, and discuss some of those resiliency protocols as well. So that'll be our last episode at least in this series. And uh, of course, industrial networking is a huge topic and, and we will revisit this and get more you know more industrial networking topics as, as this podcast continues on in the future. So, guys, once again, I really appreciate you joining us.
2: Thanks, Wayne, for having us. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
3: Thank you. Look forward to doing this again.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of TRC Talks. For support, please see our website, ReynoldsOnline.com. And for those who are outside of our area, please visit rockwellautomation.com and you can find your authorized local distributor there. Thank you again, and we will see you next week for our final episode in this industrial networking series.